Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. So we are so excited to be joined today on the New Books Network with um, by Dr. Walid Mahdi, an assistant professor at the University of Oklahoma with joint affiliations in the Department of International and Area Studies and the Department of Modern Languages, Literatures, and Linguistics to discuss in detail his new book, Arab Americans in Film, From Hollywood and Egyptian Stereotypes to Self-Representation, forthcoming this month, um, August 2020, published by Syracuse University Press. Dr. Mahdi, thank you so much for joining us um, to discuss your book today. Thank you for having me. Great. Well, the first question that I have is maybe a bit of a general one, but I wonder if you could perhaps talk a little bit about how this project was conceived and how you came to approach questions of cultural citizenship through the analytic of cinema and cinematic representation. Thank you. Uh, so uh, I think uh, part of what made me excited about uh, writing this book, initially I was very interested in looking at cinema and at Hollywood mm-hmm. and Hollywood's representations of Arabs uh, and Muslims in general. But I was drawn into looking at how uh, cinema, Hollywood in particular, looks at Arab Americans as a site, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're, we're speaking of a, an American community that comes from a specific national ba- uh, background, and to what extent did Hollywood engage with uh, with, with the uh, with the commu- community really? And uh, of course, it wasn't surprising to learn that uh, primarily the industry has engaged with uh, represented basically Arab Americans through the lenses of foreign policy and national security. So it wasn't surprising after all, right? Because uh, the field of Arab-American studies has already uh, provided scholarship that talked about how Arab-Americans in the U.S. have been otherized through uh, gendered, sexualized, racialized uh, mm-hmm. uh, ways. And uh, I felt that there was something missing in a way because uh, I, I, I was not quite satisfied with, with how uh, – the theories or theoretical understandings of Arab American otherness have been constructed. That's mm-hmm. what I what I th- started thinking of. What about uh, visiting uh, other sites, other cinematic sites, and looking at how are they producing understandings of Arab Americans? And uh, Egyptian cinema mm-hmm. uh, uh, appears to be as a very promising site to, to study. Uh, uh, so uh, it didn't take long for me to start looking at films in the Egyptian context. And then uh, soon I realized the importance of comparison and uh, looking at uh, representations of Arab Americans uh, in the comparative way between Hollywood and Egyptian cinema, then enabled me to uh, ask several questions and conclude really that the uh, represent uh, the otherness of Arab Americans in cinema in Mm -hmm. particular is not, cannot be thought of, uh, primarily as a byproduct of Orientalist and racialized histories in the United States, but as an outcome of uh, re- uh, nationalist-driven sort of polarizations uh, mainstreamed uh, in Hollywood and Egyptian cinema. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely. And of course, there are personal experiences that made me more interested in this kind of uh, uh, inquiry. Personally, the reason I thought of com- doing the comparison is that when I, I'm an Arab American and I've been traveling uh, back and forth between the United States and several other uh, Arab countries, and mm-hmm. uh, whenever I uh, visit a country or come back to the United States, I feel like my, my identity itself is being questioned all the time. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm an American citizen. I have an American passport, but there's a line of uh, in the passport that says that I was born in Yemen. Mm-hmm. And that's always an interesting sort of reminder to uh, authorities, whether in the U.S. airports or uh, in U.S. in Arab airports, mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm, I'm not, it's not easy to narrate me in a way, right? So, so I'm, I'm, I'm constantly confronting various ways of, uh, of thinking about my, my identity that do not necessarily uh, respect my, my, my own uh, uh, voice and, 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 and thoughts about how I won't like to identify myself. So, mm-hmm. I was, I, so this book then became uh, my own personal statement, if you like, mm-hmm. as, a, as a sort of critique of how uh, usually master narratives, mainstream narratives tend to exclude uh, Arab Americans in ways that... Uh, uh, erase their, their their ability to mainstream their own voices in a way. Mm-hmm. Right. And the idea of like erasing a complexity of an identity in sort of these very glossed over reductionist narratives. Um, well, you mentioned the sort of main theoretical contribution of the text, and I would love to return to that and come back to that. But first, I was hoping maybe to talk a little bit about the methodology that you employed in actually doing the research for your book and the dissertation that it's based on um, and the sort of methodological choices you make. And so, of course, you say very early on in the book that um, you're centering film as a site of critical inquiry because of the possibility of, you know, visual images and the power of film to reflect and shape collective memory as well as national identity. And then in the epilogue, you sort of return to that by saying, um, you know, by acknowledging how this analysis might be expanded by, for example, talking to the people that were involved in producing a lot of the films that you discuss in the text or, you know, sort of doing some ethnographic work. And I was wondering if perhaps you could speak a little bit about the methodological choices that informed your analysis and why you maybe chose in this text, at least, to focus on just the films themselves rather than all of the context that surrounds their production. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, I mean, that's a very good question. And it's one that I have to... Uh, think about very carefully as I develop this project. And uh, mm-hmm. for several reasons, I've, I ended up to making my choices. So uh, f- to begin with, I'm not a film studies scholar in a way, because I was not necessarily trained in film studies. So I was m- more of, I'm a, more of a cultural studies uh, uh, individual who mm-hmm. have grown to appreciate uh, textual analysis, uh, mm-hmm. images, uh, identity, questions of identity, how identity is projected uh, in a way, narrative, plots, characters. Those, those questions appeal to me in a way because by virtue of my, my uh, 
intellectual training. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not I'm not trained in technical, for example, filmmaking uh, processes that mm-hmm. that would enable me to go d- deeper into uh, uh, ana- analyzing technical aspects of uh, of films in general, right? And mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, uh, I felt like uh, choosing to work on uh, the films that I've, I've, I've identified in this work, and I've watched hundreds of films, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, American, Arab, and Arab-American war films, uh, so which was already a very time-consuming process, mm-hmm. but a very exciting one as, uh, uh, as well. Choosing to do so, I thought, uh, is an exciting way to, to, to somehow scan uh, or get a bigger picture of uh, how uh, identity, uh, how... Na- uh, Questions of belonging, how mm-hmm. um, the, the particularities of uh, a culture, in a way, how they are codified and, and projected uh, in the screen. Uh, I felt like that that uh, the ability to scan, to watch all those films, gave me the chance to scan a, a visual sort of a repertoire, you know, mm-hmm. of of, of uh, understandings of of oneself and the other, uh, in a way. I mm-hmm. uh, I, I couldn't. Do a, a reception-based studies. This this kind of uh, focus uh, was uh, uh, important to me. That, uh, but at the same time, I couldn't do uh, reception studies. For example, I couldn't do audience-based uh, uh, questionnaires mm-hmm. and surveys and, and, and generate their, their reactions because because I was not necessarily interested in how people reacted to these films. I was more interested in critiquing. The filmmakers themselves, how these filmmakers uh, sort of produced what they produced, how, what what kind of codes they worked with, how they uh, they then mediated uh, their own understandings uh, of others based on uh, cultural understandings of of others in a way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I thought the type of questions posed in my work necessitated for me to then look at uh, identify films that are relevant and critique. The, the, the messages that these films promoted. Mm-hmm. And uh, that somehow forced me to make uh, some tough decisions sometimes. You know, I couldn't do, for example, an ethnographic work. I couldn't go, yes, I visited Hollywood. I talked to directors and actors, mm-hmm. uh, but I couldn't do a more like a, a systematic sort of uh, interviews and, and get their thoughts on that. And because uh, uh, I thought at some point I, I would bring my own critical evaluation of the films uh, aside from how uh, uh, actors and directors uh, frame them. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, even the type of conversations they had with actors and directors were limiting already, you know, and they couldn't empower me to produce a more in-depth uh, critique of the work. Because you, you sometimes, uh, whatever, whenever I bring a critique of a film in Hollywood, for example, I get mm-hmm. easily dismissed, you know, because they'll say it's just mm-hmm. an entertainment, you know, you're reading too much into it. You just, it's meant to, for for quick consumption. It's not mm-hmm. meant uh, to make a statement, but that's not how I see it, right? So, yes, uh, these kind of interviews tend to be useful, but at some point uh, they were not useful enough to kind of carry this, uh, the, the critique that my work uh, wanted to focus on. That's mm-hmm. basically, for a number of reasons, the, the type of questions I, I posed, how I went about answering them, necessitated for me to carve for myself the right uh, space and uh, identify the tools to, 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 to present the, the, the analysis that I presented mm-hmm. in the book. 
No, definitely. And it's it's interesting to hear that um, directors might themselves sort of be quick to dismiss this kind of analysis and say, oh, right, exactly, that it's, you know, that films are meant for quick conception, that they're just entertainment. But I think what you showed throughout the text very clearly in the breadth of films and, you know, just in their sort of deep analysis, the ability of film to sort of really transcend its perception as just quick entertainment and really show how, um, yeah, these sort of quick images or might actually be reflections of something much deeper um, beyond just, you know, a quick thing in a film that is like released as a summer blockbuster, for example, as a Hollywood film. Definitely. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And okay, so to perhaps then return to the sort of theoretical contributions of the text, of course, something that you said earlier, and the main kind of theoretical contribution of the book is to sort of transcend the perception that, you know, Arab American otherness would be a product of U.S. Orientalist or racialized histories only, and to show that, you know, that sort of notion of Arab American otherness is an outcome of polarizing notions of the self and of the other that are that exist in both U.S. and Arab state racialized histories. And I wonder if maybe you could sort of expand a little bit on that um, with regards to the discussions in the first and second chapters of Hollywood films on one hand and then Egyptian cinematic films on the other. Yes, th- thank you so much. Uh, so uh, uh, that's exactly uh, uh, how I'm advancing my argument in the book. And it starts with the first two chapters where I uh, survey a mainstream uh, mediation of Arab-American or the notion of Arab Americanness in in Hollywood and in Egyptian cinema in Hollywood in since the 70s, I look at films that started from the 70s, and in Egyptian cinema, I look at films that start from the 90s. And I realize soon enough, you know, once you start seeing the images uh, while surveying those films, is that. Uh, uh, yes, there is there, there have been changed a little bit, slight change in Hollywood f- between the films produced. Mm-hmm in the 70s uh, and the films produced in the 9-11, post-9-11 post context. But really, the bigger picture at the end of the day, despite the changes, as, as good as they might be or might seem, still uh, in, uh, have uh, enhanced uh, nationalist understandings of uh, Americanness. That, mm-hmm. that, that is wasp-centered, basically. That is white-centered. That is uh, sometimes uh, dismissive of minorities that uh, associates Americanness with uh, with certain tropes that that mm-hmm. uh, that any challenges to those tropes then get easily dismissed and it's not something necessarily unique to the Arab American context because Hollywood has done that to African Americans to Native Americans to Asian Americans mm-hmm. to all kind of hyphenated uh, Americans really uh, mm-hmm. in, in part because that's how the uh, industry functioned but uh, troubling the troubling part is that it has it underscores a very sort of uh, uh, important uh, um, dimension to a populist narrative of uh, of, of whiteness uh, mm. that conflates whiteness with Americanness in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is that correlation of ra- racial and nationalist uh, nationalist uh, understandings of of identity that tends to sometimes erase uh, 
the existence of, of, of multicultural others. And uh, in Hollywood, that becomes possible. It becomes possible, for example, to white for white actors to play any other ethnicity. Right. But yes. It's kind of hard for other ethnic for Arab uh, actors, for example, to play white characters. You know, uh, so it it, it, uh, it becomes uh, there's that sense of entitlement, sense of privilege in the filmmaking industry itself. But the messages, the the images that the industry itself produces, uh, usually uh, conceive America in very very racialized terms. And uh, when I looked at uh, the Egyptian cinema, uh, I, I th- things appeared differently at the beginning, you know, because mm-hmm. Egypt is different. Egyptian cinema is a post-colonial, is a third world cinema, is a supposed to be a post-colonial uh, cinema. It produces counter uh, Hollywood sort of images of Arabs and Muslims. It mm-hmm. uh, defines Islam differently than the way Hollywood defines Islam. Uh, there, are, there is a complexity to how Egyptian filmmakers uh, approach identity in a way. Uh, even uh, uh, Egyptians' treatment of America, in a way, yes, mm-hmm. it's reductive as Hollywood's reductive images of Arabs and Muslims, but still, in that reduction, there is layers of complexity added uh, to that. And uh, mm-hmm. that's why I felt like in the book I say, I ask the question, so are, is Egyptian, because uh, some Egyptian films, many all the, all the Egyptian films that are traced really uh, present America in a very stereotypical, negative mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I don't necessarily see that as a, an, a, a necessarily as an anti-American thing in a way, because I trace those productions or contextualize them in a way in, in differently. There's different power dynamics between Hollywood and Egypt, Egyptian cinema, between the mm-hmm. United States and Egypt, uh, between uh, the, the imperial, colonial undertones that the U.S. Uh, carries uh, uh, and the uh, Egypt and how it stands in the Arab world as somehow uh, a space throughout its history for pan-Arab nationalism, for uh, Islamist politics, for state Mm -hmm. nationalist politics to emerge and it has influence around. So I feel like at the end of the day, you can't just say, yes, there's a comparison between the two sites. Yes, there's Mm -hmm. a comparison in the sense that uh, Hollywood and Egyptian cinema are are both invested in producing nationalist understandings of themselves and the other. For mm-hmm. Egyptian cinema, uh, they understand Arab Americans, for example, in a very stereotypical way, in a very black and white way. If you're either, for Arab American characters, they're either Arabs or Americans. There is nothing, there is no such a thing as Arab American. And that's mm-hmm. what I see happening in Hollywood. Of course, the only thing that is different about the Egyptian cinema is, is that it's done for different reasons. Uh, that uh, uh, Mm-hmm. They're done uh, out of uh, uh, state nationalist investments in, in one's uh, national identity. They're done out of concerns for uh, for migration uh, to the United States and brain drain, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that the, how the country is experiencing a lot of brain drain, uh, uh, loss to the United States and other countries. They're done out of uh, a pushback against globalization, for example, a critique mm-hmm. of globalization and the fascination, the Egyptian fascination of the American dream. The American dream as experienced not only in the United States, but the American dream as it's in, in the sense that how it was packaged uh, to the globe, including Egypt, uh, by embracing sort of new liberal system, then people are promised to kind of rise and prosper like the, like the American society. And so many of these filmmakers then are, are invested 
and critique mm-hmm. in America, not out of necessarily this uh, hate or out of carelessness, but out of uh, present them as critique. Uh, yeah, present the United States as critique uh, of the of the ailment of the, the Egyptian society in a way. But yeah. what happens at the end of the day, despite all this complexity that Egyptian cinema brings, I see it still, if you strip it out of all those layers of complexity, at the end of the day, it's very straightforward binary. Like Hollywood, they do mm-hmm. the same thing. Yes, they subvert Hollywood's messages, messages in different ways, but they reproduce the same binary images that Hollywood has produced for, for decades, and that is presenting Arab-Americans as either Arab, uh, uh, in, for the, in the case of Egyptian cinema, as either glorified Arabs or denigrated uh, Americans. Yes, it's different from the kind of binary images produced in Hollywood, which is mm-hmm. you, you're, you're either American or you're like, there's no such a thing as Arab-American. You know, mostly if you're an Arab in America, then that you're likely be a terrorist or, or you know or, or someone who's who's set to undermine the society in a way so mm-hmm. yes there, there's difference in the the types of binaries that the two cinemas project but at the end of the day they produce the same kind of way of thinking about arab americans and that, that is basically that there is no such a thing as arab americans mm-hmm. and something that you just pointed out is actually quite curious in something that I was wondering about while reading the text is that this sort of maybe politicized overtones or undertones of the presentation of Arab Americans in Egyptian films and their effect seems much more conscious and built into the sort of um, ways in which films are developed in the narratives that they present. Whereas in perhaps Hollywood's production of Arab Arab Americans in cinema, in cinema, it seems like they sort of play into tropes, but it's not necessarily um, like it doesn't have a conscious political effect that that just seems to be, well, oh, these are just um, like entertainment representations and they don't really have like a real world impact. And I wonder if, if that is something that you saw as true or if um, perhaps I'm not picking up on on those over undertones correctly. No, that's that's a very uh, uh, good observation, really, of how I'm, I'm developing my analysis around these sites. And 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 yes and no, in a way, right? I mean, yes, mm-hmm. they are different. They're definitely different because by the the, the genres are different. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Hollywood, for example, it's more, most of these films are action driven. Yes. They're, they're somehow, you know, entertainment, quick thrillers, uh, require a quick, uh, quick threat to eliminate and, uh, you know, not very much invested in, in that threat in a way. You just want to, you know, get down to it and eliminate that threat. Mm-hmm. So Arab Americans then uh, are, are terrorists. They are they're scary people. They are behind terrorist attacks that need to be eliminated. So the films usually are fast paced. There's no space for a devel- uh, like a well-developed uh uh, multi-layered uh, plots, but at the mm-hmm. same time, there is also a lack of interest. Uh, I, I, I see in understanding other cultures to begin with, uh, yes. and that somehow uh, is a cultural, a collective sort of cultural uh, code that that filmmakers have have inherited for for decades. There's mm-hmm. always a lack of interest in 
understanding others uh, uh, that they, they, they claim to represent in a way. So there's that context that you know that presents the, uh, the you know it, it, it films that defy uh, depth uh, in, in in treatment. For the Egyptian cinema, they are not. Most of the films are not necessarily action films. They are melodramas, really. Mm-hmm. And melodramas are different, right? I mean, as, as by virtue of being, uh, I mean, a melodrama, then that it requires more uh, layers in understandings, uh, uh, in, in creating plots, in moving events, in developing characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is also a, a conscious uh, effort in Egyptian cinema to 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 think of uh, inject character uh, to to associate uh, cultural uh, no uh, to associate persons as representations with of of of, of cultures and, and peoples in general and, and that's has always been done partly because it exists in Hollywood but it exists even more in Egyptian cinema sometimes mm-hmm. because directors want to escape censorship so they would want they 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 create characters in a very interesting way that. That enable them to to say a lot through characters than they could say if the film like in a more straightforward way. So so there is that tradition in Egyptian filmmaking. But at the mm-hmm. same time, uh, also uh, the dynamics, the South North dynamics, the Egyptian American dynamics are different when it comes to Egyptian cinema. Egyptians are more aware of America than Americans are more aware of Egypt in a way. And I'm saying mm-hmm. Egyptian filmmakers, the use of Shaheen uh, did. Uh, in some of the films that I, I analyze are based on his, rea- or, or his own personal experience of traveling to America, right? So mm-hmm. there's that more intimate understanding of America that you that you see lacking in, in the case of Hollywood filmmakers' interest in the Arab world. If, if many of the films that shoot, many of Hollywood films that shoot uh, uh, scenes uh, that relate to the Arab world are not always mm-hmm. necessarily shoot a shot in in the same destinations. For example, a film about Yemen or a film about Egypt or a film about Iraq may not necessarily be shot in those countries to begin with. The the, 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 the obvious destination is, is usually Morocco. And for some right. reason, Morocco then appears to be the site where if you want to shoot in any Muslim culture or Arab culture, you just go to Morocco. So there is that distance, existing distance already uh, uh, in, 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 in case of Hollywood. And when it comes to, to Egyptian cinema, there's that all conscious awareness of America because America mm-hmm. is well and alive in, in, in Egypt and many Arab countries. The, the, Amer- the American influence on uh, Arabic cultures is, is, is huge, you know, and mm-hmm. whether that is uh, through consumerism, jeans, Marlboro, and all those <laughs> American products, mm-hmm. or really uh, uh, films and, and television series and uh, all these media networks are, are available in English, sometimes uh, in Arabic, sometimes subtitled. You're not, you, you don't even dub them, you know. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of big influence on, on, on uh, American influence on the uh, on Egyptians that the, create conditions for uh, consciousness that that somehow is more informed, more critical, and mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, for these filmmakers, uh, pushes them to then want to produce a critique of some sort, right? So mm. so the dynamics are different, basically. No, definitely. I yeah. mean, and that's a fabulous point, I guess, if you are already starting from the perspective that I think is sort of 
culturally accepted, which is that the Middle East sort of exists as a monolith and one place can be a stand-in for another because it is all essentially the same, um, mm-hmm. then of course your representation of those characters would be sort of reduction reductionist in a very parallel way to that. Definitely. That's, that's a very um, good point, yeah. Well, you raise, I mean, so many important points throughout the text, but one that comes across especially clearly and seems really fundamental to the broader argument that you're making throughout the book is the intervention that you make about studying diaspora and the possibility of diasporic voices to challenge what you say, um, what you refer to as the alienating contestations of national narratives. And I was hoping that you might talk a little bit more in depth about that particular intervention. Um, yes. Yes, th- thank you. So the first two book uh, chapters of the book uh, then survey the bigger, uh, present the bigger question, uh, challenges, right? It looks at the, pro- the problems that exist in the binaries promoted by Hollywood and Egyptian filmmakers. But the, th- the remaining chapters, really, the, no, chapters three to five, look at efforts to present MF, uh, and different understandings of Arab Americanness away from Hollywood's you're either uh, a terrorist or not, right? Or, mm-hmm. So, or, or and beyond the Egyptian cinemas, uh, you're either a, a great Egyptian or a bad American, right? Is, mm-hmm. So, I, I set for in a journey to look at what sort of existing films in the three cinema, in the two cinemas in, in Hollywood and Egypt cinema to begin with, are there any films produced since 9-11 that are different, you know? And and I identify two films. In the case of Hollywood, there is Traitor, and in the case of Egyptian cinema, there is a film called Leila Till Baby Doll or The Baby mm-hmm. Doll Night. Uh, but at some point, uh, I also uh, felt like the need to look at whether there are any existing efforts by Arab-American filmmakers themselves in narrating their, their own understandings of their their identity, transnational identity, because many mm-hmm. Arab-Americans, if not all, of course, identify themselves as both Arab and American, but many uh, have that consciousness, constant consciousness, even those who are born in the United States, that they're not always necessarily of one way. There's always la- the element of language that reminds them of that they are part of a different culture. The food mm-hmm. they consume, the the, the, the interactions they, they develop, the people they engage with, the, th- the news they watch. I mean, there's always that constant conscious understandings of oneself in transnational way. Not not everybody necessarily does that, but like there's that bigger uh, factor that mm-hmm. uh, that is usually missing from cinema. And that's why I thought maybe the three chapters will, will look at any existing efforts to project that sense of transnational sense of identity, and mm-hmm. uh, and and interestingly enough, in uh, I, I trace that in in the, in the three sites of cinema. In, in the case of Hollywood, the film Traitor itself that I that I uh, analyze, it's stereotypical. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's part of the same more of the same kind of work that Hollywood produces. But that mm-hmm. film is different, you know, because it, the character, uh, the main character, uh, is not necessarily clearly defined. You know, he's black, he's Arab, he's Muslim, mm-hmm. he's American. Uh, yes, he's involved in a terrorism plot, which is expected mm-hmm. of any Hollywood film anyway. <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, what's different about it is that 
the, 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 there's a sense of collapsing of, uh, of identities in, in the character uh, uh, himself, where Islam and Americanness somehow uh, uh, contribute to, to shaping his own understandings of the world in ways that are not usually narrated and told. And in the mm-hmm. case of the Egyptian film, The Baby Doll Knight, you have two interesting characters, one of the Jewish Arab American character that mm-hmm. never is, is never usually really highlighted either in Egyptian or in American cinemas. We don't, usually the, the, the understandings of Arab Americans is in, along the lines of Islam and and sometimes Christianity, but not Judaism in a way. So mm-hmm. that film presents presents a very interesting understandings of Arab Americanness along also uh, the lines of Judaism and and. The other diaspora character presented in the film uh, is Muslim, is an Arab Muslim American, not necessarily mm-hmm. American, but U.S.-based Arab Muslim, uh, and he's, he's developing a, a, a inter- interesting understandings of his own identity along the lines of uh, uh, U.S. Arab worlds, in a way. He the, yeah. the, the type of identity he brings to the table is one in, that is necessarily motivated by his interest in being both. Rather mm-hmm. than either or, that that cin- the cinemas, mainstream cinemas, usually present uh, present audiences with, and uh, when you look at then the self uh, the representation in the last chapter, the, how Arab Americans themselves narrated their own identity. Yes, the the films I analyzed in in chapter five are that there are three films. There is American East, there is America, and there is uh, the Citizen. Uh, yes, these films are mostly about U.S.-based Arab individuals, but there's that constant understandings of uh, one's identity in in, in in transnational way, and much of the the the, the, the much of the, all these films somehow then produce critiques of the American dream that challenge one's understandings of uh, the American dream that is promoted in in a, in a U.S. nationalist way. So my my point at the end of the day is then. The type of consciousness that's emerging in the three that the three chapters at least uh, uh, highlight is is an exciting one to look to see in cinema, but it's one that is under uh, examined, under also uh, explored in a way. So, uh, and I think there's a lot of space for that to develop in in in, in powerful ways. That I think the epilogue touches on that a little bit on that, but it's it's an invitation for scholars and filmmakers really to think in a, in a, in a different way beyond the constraints of national nationalism in a way, whether they these are U.S. nationalism or or Egyptian nationalism. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and you to just briefly return to the idea of self self representation and the ways in which you sort of illuminate those possibilities in the fifth chapter of the book. I mean, you very interestingly take up both Nadine Neighbor's idea of a broad spatio-temporal context um, and put that in conversation with Arjuna Potterai's notion of um, like diasporic public spheres to really illuminate the generative possibilities of Arab American self-representation in films to illuminate the multi-layered um, articulations of Arab American subjectivity, which I think comes across very clearly in that fifth chapter. Um, and then the other point that you touched on just at the end of um, what you were what you were just saying in the epilogue of the 
the possibility that has been perhaps opened up for self-representation or for filmmakers, you know, in Hollywood, in Egyptian cinema and Arab American filmmakers themselves to sort of challenge um, these sort of stereotypical reductionist images of Arab Americans. I mean, you end the book on what comes off as sort of a very hopeful note that, you know, even though much of Hollywood or much of Egyptian cinema's representations kind of maintain that limited framework, there is evidence that, you know, filmmakers are willing to push beyond those boundaries or to sort of challenge those representations a little bit. And then there exists, you know, a real possibility to move beyond stereotypes with um, self-representation in Arab American filmmaking. And I wonder if since finishing the book and now, you know, just before it's published, if you sort of maintain that same sort of hopefulness for the potential of um, of self-representation to really challenge those, the images that have become really, um, have become real tropes, but have become also sort of standard fare in a lot of, in a lot of films that portray Arab Americans. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I think, uh, I mean, aside from the hope, but I could revisit the hope part uh, in, in a bit. I think it's urgent. You know, there is an element of urgency to this. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we live in a globe that is uh, infected not with COVID nineteen. Of course, COVID nineteen <laughs> is there, but it's infected with populism, and 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 populism is rising in, in dangerous ways. Mm-hmm. And and when it comes to Arab Americans, I think there is a, uh, the Arab Americans feel that. They feel that very in a very serious way. You know, if you're an uh, Arab American activist, for example, then you'd likely be harassed either by the U.S. or by the, your country of origin if, or, or country mm-hmm. that you affiliate with in a way in the Arab world or you're invested in. And, 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 Usually, there is a sense of entitlement, nationalist entitlement, to prosecuting you, to harass you, to coerce you, to lock you, to sometimes, in the case of Egypt, for example, even uh, kill you. So uh, uh, there's there's an active sense of a rise in in uh, of populism that mm-hmm. that only makes the case for mainstreaming. Nationalist, nationalist and understandings of oneself and rejecting difference or rejecting diversity or rejecting one's understanding of identity ever more uh, rational, ever more appealing in a way if we, if we continue to move in this populist world in a way. And I think in this context, uh, the stakes are high uh, for, 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 make, for filmmakers, especially Arab-American mm. uh, filmmakers in, in this context, to produce new imaginations, new possibilities of thinking of one's uh, identity that not necessarily uh, uh, always uh, confined to certain nationalist expectations of one. In, in, uh, that defies, for example, Hollywood's expectations of Arab Americans to be patriots, to be imperative patriots, to be uh, uh, only narrated in the context of terrorism, to, to push Hollywood filmmakers from, uh, to think beyond uh, the limiting understandings of Arabness and Islam that's necessarily limited to to to, to foreignness to, uh, to 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 difference to, uh, to 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 fear in a way right so mm-hmm. there there's that and 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 also 
also works that push against the uh, repressive uh, treatment of Arab diasporas in many Arab states, you know. Since, since the Arab Spring, for example, in 2011, there was a lot of investment, even before that, of course, uh, among Arab Americans in Arab issues. And um, that investment uh, uh, has never been captured on screen, or at right. least in, in, in ways that uh, excite, motivate, uh, inspire, um, showcase at least different voices, different narratives, different understandings of one, one's own uh, uh, identity. So there is an element of urgency to that, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the part of, uh, on, uh, as far as hope, yes, I am I'm definitely hopeful because, uh, I mean, we, we live in a world where uh, filming, filmmaking in general is not as controlled as it used to be in a way. The process of filmmaking, yes, is demanding. Yes, it's multi-layered and complicated, and and and, and pun, pun, there, are, there are a lot of challenges along the way. But it's become uh, right now the infrastructure for filmmaker Arab American filmmakers are, are are much more available than they used to be. And mm-hmm. uh, with the emergence of technology and information and, and ability to uh, uh, to to uh, an investment really in. in whether that's in the form of tax benefits in Michigan or in f- film festivals that accommodate those works or, you know, an appetite that uh, Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu uh, is, mm. is, is, uh, for, is, is basically offering to, to f- uh, filmmakers uh, and, and, and people who are interested in, in content in general. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of that and there's consultations and there's organizational support. So, so the, the infrastructure, as we speak, is being built, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, but it, there, ne- there is a need to still find ways to to push beyond that, though, the, the, in a way to to make some serious changes in the mainstream industries. I have yet to see, for example, uh, uh, f- uh, f- mainstream actor like Arab American actors. Uh, mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, uh, making some serious uh, works in within Hollywood, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm talking about Arab American directors, Arab American actors that that make it that make the case uh, or, or present the community in ways that are not necessarily always and only exclusively confined to uh, to the usual stereotypes uh, in a way. Uh, when, you look, when you look at an Egyptian directors, an Egyptian American director like Sam Ismail, uh, and an actor, uh, an actor like uh, uh, Rami Malek in in, in, a, in a series like Mr. Robot, that's a very popular robot, right? Uh, not robot. That's a very popular uh, series. Uh, I wonder if there are, if there will be, ever be a possibility for the same team to produce works that deal with the community in a way. That's still not necessarily about terrorism. Uh, that n- mainstream understandings of Arabs, as Americans, as transnational citizens, as, as folks with their own under- uh, concerns and priorities that may not necessarily be uh, falling into how people want to see them in a way, right? So mm-hmm. there's that tension between individual filmmakers and actors and directors in Hollywood who are of Arab, uh, Arab Americans in particular, who are seeking success and, 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 
individually. They want to be seen as uh, for their talent. They want mm-hmm. uh, to be able to produce to play uh, character actors. For example, they want to play any characters they want. They don't want to be uh, compartmentalized to their own ethnicity in a way. But mm-hmm. there is also that demand and need from Arab American communities to see themselves represented in big ways, right? I mean, yeah. like, like how African-American, for example, communities have emerged and have taken some some uh, role, active role in producing works that you could say produce inter- interesting understandings of African-American experiences away from mainstream uh, understandings of, of their own experiences in a way. Yes, definitely. Well, I don't think that I could have come to a better conclusion, but thank you so much for taking the time to like sit down this afternoon and speak about your book, Arab Americans. Um, it was a real honor to be able to read the book before it comes out later this month and to have the opportunity to talk with you about about the book in depth. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for your wonderful questions. And uh, I really appreciate uh, uh, everything uh, you've raised. Great. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you.